I think the most important thing to remember is how little the potential employer cares about what you actually do and how much they care about actually getting their problems solved. That is the gap, and that's the gap. And if you can close that gap and you can talk to them in a way that they understand and that they're comfortable with and that can make them trust you, you are just going to be indispensable and you're going to be hugely successful. Howdy guys, welcome back to the Business of Freelancing podcast, where we help you get better clients, make more money, and live a happier and a healthier life freelancing. I'm your host, Brennan Dunn, and I've got a great interview lined up for you today. I met with Jeff Steinman, who just, we had a great discussion about how to successfully freelance while you still have a job. But before we get there, before we jump into the interview, I want to tell you a bit about kind of the different things going on with Double Your Freelancing. If you're at all interested in the business of, of running a, a solo freelancing business and want to kind of know what's going on content-wise that will help you even be more successful with what you're already doing, you're going to want to stay tuned to what I'm about to uh, cover. So, you know, it's the beginning of summer. I'm always hyper-motivated for some reason in summer. I, I, can, I tend to almost shut down in a way when it's cold out. But now that it's nice out, now that I can go on my hour plus long walks every day, my mind is just racing with things that I want to do, things that I want to achieve. And some of that is already happening. So uh, my first conference, Double Your Freelancing Conf, is happening. It's happening September 16th through 18th. Ticket sales have been great. We've got great speakers. Just lined up three new sponsors that I want to give a quick shout out to. That is Convergely, Churnbuster, and BidSketch. And, um, you know, it, it's all coming together really, really well. But the other thing I wanted to focus on, and, and you know this if you've been listening to the podcast, is the kind of the content schedule. Being able to produce great and reliable and consistent content for you, you know. And back when I started this business, I was writing weekly articles on uh, my software project, PlanScope's blog. And my goal in doing that was really just to think, well, you know, project management is such a competitive term that maybe if I write a lot about consulting and about freelancing, that that'll help our rankings when it comes to people looking for project management software. Well, that worked for a while and I started to build up this readership. But a little over a year ago, I moved everything to doubleyourfreelancing.com. I took this gamble where I thought I'm going to divorce plan scope from the content I'm writing, the content I'm creating, and put it elsewhere. And I did that. And well, that business started to, you know, continue to grow. And I was getting more success stories from students of mine. And I got so many success stories that now we write each week, a student success profile, where we talk to, you know, people who have gone through my courses, or people who have even just gone through the free stuff I offer. And we hear their story about where they've come from, what they've learned, how they incorporated it in, into their business. And we just try to, we want to profile and showcase kind of the results that people are having. Because a lot of, I mean, especially a lot of freelancers who are just kind of at wit's end and are struggling day to day. I mean, that, that sort of motivational story that shows where somebody was who might be like that person, right? Like you might be thinking this person is a lot like me. If they can do it, I can do it too. So that's been awesome. And we've been doing this weekly 
we've been getting, um, you know, a lot of exposure for a lot of the students that I have who've, you know, gone through my courses. But on top of that, this podcast itself has shifted from being something that was more or less random to being now focused on delivering great audio interviews with experts and, and people who are really doing very well, who have a lot to share. So, you know, this is where I'm able to come in and bring in outside perspectives that are not always my own and share them with you. And as I was doing all of this, I, I started to feel that that weekly goal of blogging was starting to slip. You know, I missed my weekly production goals you know, time and time again. And even though I was missing this sort of weekly schedule when I was writing or when I when I have been writing, I've been writing these kind of massive in-depth, sometimes 5,000 word plus articles. And my audience, instead of responding with, you know, hey, where's the weekly stuff? They're now, a lot of them are saying, where's this been? And like, why wasn't this here from the beginning? Why have you been holding out on us? And I think what I'm going to be doing now is I'm going to be toning back the weekly angle from my writing. I'm going to be more focused on really creating more in-depth articles more things that you can actually take action on that are very actionable, that aren't just 500-word posts, but are sometimes 5,000-plus word posts. On top of that, ultimately, my goal in writing now is to create things that will get bookmarked, things that you can reference, things that you can revert back to and get, get more insight or whatever else from in the future versus just something that's shareable or whatever else. I want things that can be used. I want content that you can use and apply in your own business. So I'll be sending my newsletter, my writing less frequently. However, it will be with a lot more intensity. It'll be like the last post I wrote, which was on how to start a successful uh, freelancing business from scratch. I mean, that was took 30 plus minutes just to read the article. But again, the results I'm getting, the response I'm getting has made it all worth it. I mean, I spent over a week just writing that and researching that post and um, I'm glad I did. It wouldn't be possible if I had to write that weekly to do that. But I think this new format will help a lot of things. So I'm going to keep producing great interviews like the one you're about to hear. I'm going to keep creating these student success profiles each and every week, which will bring the stories, the actual tangible what happens <laughs> of people who have gone through my courses and have, have read my content. Um, those are still going to keep coming. I have another thing on my sleeve, which I'll be telling you about later which will be a daily thing that I'll be producing. I want to give you as much content as you can that will help you succeed because back when I started, I didn't have really any of this. There were like books on consulting, but they were all about like business consulting and things that I didn't really, you know, I'm not a guy in a suit helping people optimize their human resources department, right? I'm a programmer by trade. I mean, that's my background. And I know a lot of the people listening are, designers, writers, developers, marketers, SEOs. And I want to produce content for you that will help you be better at really selling your clients, selling great products and services to your clients and making it easier for you to do that um, all the while. So let's, let's talk quickly about today's guest. Jeff Steinman came on the show to talk with me about freelancing while working full-time. And while this is actually how I started freelancing, I think like most of us, I started uh, in my case, I started from my dorm room in college, uh, taking odd jobs. And this is when I learned that apparently I could build websites for money without actually being an employee of somebody. So I started doing that. And then 
I got married, I got my first real job, and um, I still did it then. I started going on Craigslist and finding these kind of odd jobs because we were spending more than we were making. You know, as a young couple <laughs> who, who like food a little too much, you know, we were definitely spending a lot more than my entry-level job was, was paying me. So I kind of had to freelance or moonlight. I had to work nights and weekends sometimes. And it really wasn't until I quit my job or my last job that I was able to make freelancing work as a stable business for myself. So I'd like to introduce you to Jeff Steinman, who's now going to drop a ton of knowledge on us about how you can successfully and sustainably freelance, even if you're still working full time. All right, so I'm here with uh, Jeff Steinman. Jeff is from HowToQuitWorking.com, and I want to preface this chat by saying I'm I'm really excited to have Jeff on. And the reason I'm excited mostly is I get a lot of people asking me, you know, so Brennan, do you have any advice for me to on how to quit my job? And to be honest, I while I have some advice, I can't always relate. It's been nine years for me since I last had a full time job, and. It, it reminds me of I used to do a lot of training for teaching people how to write or how to learn how to write Ruby code. And I remember, you know, people would come to my class and they'd be asking me, you know, you know, I don't know how to get set up. I don't know the fundamentals. And I would get frustrated because I'd been doing it for so long, for more than a decade that I didn't even really know how to relate anymore. So that's why I'm happy that Jeff is Jeff is here. He's going to be talking with me about how to really start a business while you're working with, you know, on a full-time job. So Jeff, welcome to the business of freelancing. Brendan, thanks so much for having me. So for those who don't know you, what quick bio about who you are, your background and what you've created? Well, you know, if you're, if you're sitting out there and you're listening and you're working a job and you're thinking, well, there's got to be something better to life than just going into this place and working for somebody else and doing what they say, doing what they want me to do and working on somebody's schedule, then uh, you're, we probably have a lot in common because I was in that situation until April of 2012 when I left my job uh, forever and began uh, doing some business and marketing consulting. Now, the thing that's interesting about my situation is that while I finally successfully left in April of 2012, I made an unsuccessful attempt back in uh, early 2001. And I made all of the cardinal mistakes that people make when they try to quit their job and start a business. And uh, I learned a whole lot from them and spent a lot of time trying to figure out, okay, what's the right way to actually start a job or start a business while you're still working a job so that when you walk into your boss's office or you send that resignation letter in, you can have full confidence that you're going to be okay and that you're going to make it work. And then you're going to be able to pay the bills and put food on the table because that's really what we're all worried about. We're all worried about ultimately, can we eat, right? If we, if we quit our job and start a business, can we eat? Can we have a roof over our head? Can we pay our bills? And can we do all those things? So in, uh, it was actually about two years ago, I, uh, wrote a book called How to Quit Working and, uh, started a podcast to promote the book. And lo and behold, here we are two years later. It's now a six figure coaching business, uh, that is helping people to quit their jobs and start a business. It's just been, a, it's been an amazing wild ride. And I love coming on shows like this and talking to people like you're listeners, Brennan, who want to quit their job and start a business. Cool. Well, congrats on your success. So tell me a bit about, uh, you know, I just, I'm curious, you mentioned that the first time you tried to quit, you failed. 
what what was it like was it mm. the thing i've heard from a lot of people is it's not that uh, you know anyone it, we're not slaves right like you can quit your job Any, anyone can do absolutely. it absolutely but um but the, the hard thing is more of like an internal conflict that i think a lot of people have where you know they're used to the the idea of show up sit in my office chair for you know uh, 40 hours a week for two weeks and i'll get a paycheck and uh Convincing yourself along with convincing uh, your spouse, your family members, you know, and, and other people maybe who, who care about you, that that's a the right move can be hard. Like, how did you mess up that first time? The first time that I tried to quit, I, I was like everybody. Right. Nobody teaches us the most fundamental – our schools are obsessed with cramming algebra and history and science into our heads. But they don't bother to teach us the most fundamental skill that we need as human beings, which is how to create value and add it to the world so that you can get value back, which is called money, so that we can get our basic needs met. So like everybody else, I had no idea how to start a business. I had no idea. I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant. It was just some big long word that I heard in movies sometimes. And But what, what I did was I, I was in a unique situation because it was, it was 2001 and I had been uh, working for a major bank on a big project where we were doing something that was at the time very revolutionary. We were allowing you to see your account balances and all of your account information online. Crazy, huh? <laughs> something that we take uh, for granted today, but it was a it was a it was a pretty new thing then. And the the opportunity that I saw was, and this is this is I was thinking right. I was thinking the in the right direction here. I said, okay, there's all these small businesses around, and if they wanted to get online and they wanted to sell products and not just have a little pamphlet website, but if they wanted to get online and actually do commerce online, there's no way they could even. Think about it, right? I mean, in 2001, if you wanted, if you were a small business and you wanted to get online, there's just no way you could have done it, right? You needed to but probably spend hundreds of thousands having everything custom programmed because none of these tools that exist today existed. And I said, okay, I know how to do this. I'm working for this company that's doing this. I've got, I'm well connected. I understand the technology. I understand the business side of it. And I think I've got an idea here. I think I can help these small businesses get online in a much easier, cheaper way. Right. So what my concept was, was something like a Shopify. And, uh, and I thought, okay, this is it. And I did some research and I, I, I in my I like to say in my mind I thought I had it all figured out. Right? So I, I did all this research. I, I kind of got ready. I was I, I had a bit of a marketing plan, and I had the the the, the software all kind of figured out. Not a line of code written or anything like that. And, and I was so confident that I had something that was going to work that I actually made an appointment with my boss to resign. And it was on uh, – it was 8 o'clock on a Thursday morning and I got into the office a little bit early that day because I hadn't slept the night before at all. So I just laid awake worrying about what I was getting ready to do. And I had my resignation letter all written up and uh, it was – the meeting was in a conference room. It was just right down the hall from my desk. And uh, I remember just a few minutes before 8, I walked down to the conference room and I sat down with my little resignation letter in front of me. And my boss wasn't there yet. So I sat there for a minute or two and he finally came in and he was in a big hurry that day. He was just he just kinda had this look on his face like, All right, Jeff, get to the point. What's what's this about? And 
uh, I was sitting there kind of looking at him. He had that impatient look on his face and there was just an immense amount of pressure because I knew that I was at a point where I had to make a decision. I had to decide if I really truly believed that I could do this. And as I was looking at him and, and, and had to, had to say something, I completely chickened out. I just made up some silly reason for why I'd asked for the meeting. I have no recollection of what the, what I made up, but I went back to my desk and that was probably the lowest point in my entrepreneurial career because at that point I said, I don't think I can do this. It's, it's, it's funny. I actually thought you were going to say that you did quit your job and then you didn't have any customers and didn't have a product and kind of went crawling back to jobhood. <laughs> but um, so you're saying you, you basically you you'd plan on quitting, but you just kind of reality hit, I guess, when Checking you were s- sitting in that office. Yeah. Yeah. What do you do differently next time? Like, how did you make it work? What what how did you convince yourself that you could actually afford to live on your own? The thing that I did differently was a couple of things. So the the first thing that I did was I had I had uh, and remember there was a, a a long period of time I think it was like seven or eight years that I just went back and immersed myself in corporate with with no idea that I was ever going to start a business. I mean I gave up for for a very long time. That wouldn't last, right? There's no way that I could have sustained that. But what happened was I I remember that I was I was laying in bed there there was a period of time when I when I said I got to try again you know I got I got to make another run at this I still don't know how I'm going to do it but I was laying in bed one night reading a book and I don't remember what book it was or what inspired me to have this thought but I remember distinctly as I was reading this book I kind of closed it up and I said you know what I don't know how I'm going to make this work but I'm going to figure it out. And I came to this realization that, okay, I don't know what the answer is now, but I've got to do something to try to figure it out. So what I did was I began doing a lot of different things. I began trying a lot of different things. Is this going to work? What, how, how will this work? Will I like this? Will this, you know, can I maybe get some traction here, get some traction there? I began doing a little bit of real estate investing and um, had a little bit of success uh, in that. And uh, the, the other thing that I began doing was I really began researching business and entrepreneurship and getting really well educated about it and really understanding what does it take to start a successful business. And the thing that the biggest thing that I learned was that the reason why I couldn't make that leap in 2001 is because I didn't have anybody telling me that they wanted what I had to offer. I didn't have any kind of validation whatsoever that that idea was going to work, that those small businesses had any interest whatsoever in what I was offering. It was just a theory. Yeah, you'd be quitting your job, cutting off your salary, and then kind of going out there without any, like you said, any validation, any prospects, uh, any any intellectual property, nothing to sell, right? I mean, you were just kind Absolutely. of like, that can work, I think, if you have a ton of money in the bank and you can kind of well, look I at it. Right. <laughs> most people, most don't, right? Yeah. And, I mean, if yeah, if you had like, you know, half a million in the bank, sure, you could glide for a few years and figure that out a- along the way. But, you know, most people live, unfortunately, paycheck to paycheck. So 
if you're depending on that next paycheck, when you quit, that's not coming anymore. So, you know, if you're not in, if you haven't learned how to budget well and save well, then that's, it's hard. I mean, you kind of are a slave to the paycheck in a way. In retrospect, it's a really, really good thing that I didn't actually quit. <laughs> right, right. I mean, here's here's what I've seen countless times. You've got somebody who's really talented, like let's say a programmer. They're really good at programming, but they don't want to program for quote unquote the man anymore, right? So they, this is especially true of people who maybe work at an agency or something where they are working with clients. And they say, well, why should I work at a business that is billing me out for uh, 300 an hour and then paying me 50 bucks an hour, right? Like uh, the equivalent of that. And then they quit and they're like, I'm just going to do my coding, but work directly with clients. And then there's this realization that, oh, wow, I actually need to learn how to sell and market myself and get clients. I need to figure out how to close clients. I need to figure out how to invoice. You know, there's all this business stuff that they never really had to deal with. And then they throw in the towel and go back to employment and they're kind of like, uh, you know, a lot of these people swear off doing their own thing really for, for good. Like they're like, well, I'm just not cut out for it. It's funny. I don't, have you read the Emeth series? Oh my gosh. I'm actually rereading it right okay, now. Okay. So you know that whole like bakery example, right? Like you have mm-hmm. a great baker, she starts her own bakery and then she gets, uh, she starts to realize that there's a lot more than baking involved in being a successful bakery owner. I see that a lot. And I tell people that if if your job is to just write code all day because you love writing code, then maybe employment is kind of what's best for you, at least right now. But for those of us who do want to achieve some semblance of monetary freedom, right, where you can kind of, uh, you know, take off the day and go on a field trip with your kids without needing to really ask anyone or be able to make money in a way that isn't directly related to show up for two weeks and get paid. That's the draw for most of us. But I think a lot of us go into self-employment without really shifting the way we think about how the world works economically. You know, like we don't really think about, like you said at the beginning, this whole, how do I receive value and deliver a surplus of value in exchange? Yeah. And I think the the thing that I, that I would add there, yes, there are people who uh, we could say are not cut out for entrepreneurship. And I I don't doubt that's the case. But let's face it, there are things that we have to do in our day-to-day lives that we are not cut out to do, right? I am not cut out to go to the grocery store. It's miserable. I can't stand it. But there are times when I have to do that. Like right last night, I needed to wanted a frozen pizza on the way home and stop at the grocery store and get it. You know, we have to mow the grass. We have to do laundry. We have to vacuum the floor. We have to do the dishes. There's a lot of things in our lives that we have to do that we're not necessarily cut out to do. And I think that we need to push ourselves to say, you know what? Okay, maybe maybe I don't feel like this whole starting a business thing is for me, but maybe the independence, maybe the result is for me, right? I mean, having foot tall grass isn't a good outcome either, but we, we push through and we do what we have to do to make that happen. And I think I agree. And I don't, I didn't mean to say that. I think like some people are born entrepreneurs versus others aren't, but I, what I have seen though, is not everybody, some people at, at the point that they're in, in their overall career are wanting to focus on their craft, which a lot of people think that by quitting their job and going freelance, 
let's say, that they're going to be just afforded to kind of do that same thing all day. And then they get demoralized at the fact that they need to actually, there's there's other hats they're going to need to wear yeah. now that they're doing their own thing. If you're at a point in your career where you want to focus on your craft, employment might be a better option. Yeah. And that's, I don't at least for now. Very often. Right. <laughs> that's the thing I've seen is that a lot of people, they quit thinking that everything will be different except instead of, uh, you know, everything will be the same rather, but instead of getting paid a salary, I'll get paid from invoices. Like everything else will be identical. And then when they learn that, you know, it's not, that's not true. That's, that's where people start. Because once you get that hiccup and you're like, I don't have another client lined up. I don't have, I don't have another check coming to my mailbox. That's when a lot of people say, you know what, I'm, this isn't for me. And they go back. The thing that I've come to try to convince people of is really, you know, really, and you need to, you need to understand the realities of running your own thing, I think, before you start doing it. And the best way to do that is to moonlight, I think, to, to have a side business while you're employed. You know, and the other thing that, that having a side business while you're employed does for you is it gets you used to just figuring out how to talk to clients, right? Like, and, and I, I assume, do you have a, like a lot of technical, like computer programmer type people listening here? Oh, most of my audience are like web developers, web designers. So yes. Oh, okay. I manage technology programs uh, for 10 years in, in corporate. So I, I know, I know this crowd really well. And, and, and one of the things, you know, there's a lot of sh mental shifts that you have to make in order to be successful as a freelancer, right? Like you're never going to convince a client that the quality of your code is something worth paying for. Right. Right. And this is a really rough reality. I mean, I know you take a lot of pride in the the quality of the work that you do. And and I, as somebody who's managed software development, good, bad, and everything in between, I understand the difference. But your client probably doesn't, right? So you, you have to be able to – and this is, this is probably the key skill that you need to develop to go freelance as a – web developer type of a person is you have to be able to take what you do and you have to be able to translate that into something that is meaningful to the right. client. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny you say that the whole code quality thing. It's I've been asked that a lot. And usually what I try to translate that to is, well, what is the what is the end of quality code? Right. It's easier to maintain. What does easier to maintain mean for a business? You know, care less. They don't even understand. Well, it, it, but but if you keep going down that chain, easier to maintain ultimately means that you can get you can hire a new developer, put him or her on the project, and they can be up and running faster. And there's less, you know, there's that whole thing, especially you, you having managed developers probably have seen this firsthand where, you know, you want somebody to go add a feature or fix something. And 90 percent of the time is spent trying to figure out where to start, like where in the code am I actually doing this? And, you know, better quality code means less time doing that, which, you know, there's no such thing as, as uh, free code splunking for a business owner, right? They're paying people to do that. So, you know, you just need to, you need to take what it is you are, you need to take the attribute, in this case, code quality, and translate it, like you were saying, into a business benefit for, the, you know, the client, in this case. Even if you're employed, I think that's a huge skill to have. 
you know, companies hire employees to make an ROI off of them. Uh, maybe if you're working for the government, this isn't true, but usually in the private sector, it's they, you know, they hire an employee because they want, you know, they're, they're spending money on you to make more money from you. So when you learn how to, when you learn that reality and you start to quote unquote sell that, whether that be through a job interview or through meeting with a client who you want to work with, you know, as a, as a freelancer, that's how, I mean, that's what people, that's what people buy ultimately. You know, and I think uh, small business owners, uh, which I mean, not always, but I think in a lot of cases, those are going to be your clients, really value uh, somebody who can talk to them in terms that they can understand. You just have to kind of put yourself in the position of somebody who is so completely, completely ignorant about the details of what you do and know that they have a problem that is very, very, uh, in their mind, disconnected from the actual work that you're going to do. And it's your job to make that connection for them. And when you can do that, uh, you're going to have a lot of success because folks are going to be able to say, this guy's got my back. I need a little web thing that's going to do this, that's going to let my customers put this information in, and then it's going to give me this information back. When you can listen to that, at high level talk and be able to ask the right questions and understand the detail of what they need and how to translate that detail into a piece of application functionality that does what they need. They're hugely valuable to them. Yep. Yep. I agree. Okay. So let's, let's shift real quick and talk practicality. So we know, I mean, especially if people have been listening to the podcast or read my blog for a while, they, they know about the whole, like, you know, presenting the value of the project, showing people the benefits of it. But let's talk practicalities in terms of let's imagine the person listening right now is a salaried uh, designer, developer, writer, something, right? Like they're, they're a creative person. They're at a job. They want to get into this. They're listening to this podcast because they want to be a full-time freelancer. They want to uh, work out of their house, work out of a coffee shop, work out of a co-working space, whatever that might be. They don't want to keep going to their job. What is What would you say the best path forward for the typical listener would be the first thing that you have to to do is you have to kind of decide where you're going to specialize or niche down i know we use the, we overuse the term niche so much but you got to figure out kind of where you're going to specialize if you have been writing code in the medical industry for some period of time or you've got some level of experience in the medical industry, then start there, right? For example, I was just out on a freelancing site earlier today. And when I look out there, just for somebody who uh, is able to, to, to resolve an Amazon EC2 issue, there's just tons and tons and tons and tons of people how do you set yourself apart? How do you stand apart from them? Because, uh, again, looking at it from the the level of complete ignorance that your client is coming at it from, level of complete naivety. I don't mean ignorance or naivety in a bad way, but they just don't understand. Why you? Right? We've really got to get down to why you. And you've got to do something that makes you stand out from everybody else out there. And and I think you've got to come up with an attribute that is meaningful to your potential client, right? And if if I was, for example, a small business owner, something in the medical sector, and 
I had a list of 15 candidates and one of them had done work in the medical sector, oh, now you stand out, right? And I think that that's a really important place to start because I think so many folks come at it from the, I'm super good at PHP, right? And that's meaningless to potential employers. So think, what, what's an attribute that makes you unique that would be meaningful to your potential customers? Mm-hmm. So what, where do you find these potential customers? Like what, what would you do if you've got a full-time job, um, you don't have all day to go to meetings during the day, during normal working hours or whatever. How would you, how would you get uh, your first few customers on the side? Yeah, well, I, uh, the, fir- the first thing I would say is start with your personal network, right? And, and you, you probably know people or you know people who know people. Start by kind of hanging your shingle out there and just start starting some conversations and knowing that many of those conversations are going to go absolutely nowhere and just be totally cool with that, right? I mean, uh, you, you've gotta, you can't be attached to anything. Just because you're having a conversation with someone doesn't mean it's going to go anywhere, but it, you're probably going to learn something. You're going to get uh, a contact that may work in the future, but start with your personal network, right? I mean, who do you know? Do you have an uncle who owns a, let's just stick with this medical thing. If you you have an uncle who owns a medical practice or an uncle who has a friend who has a medical practice or something like that, start with that personal network. And then that only takes you so far, but it is a starting point and it's a safe starting point, right? It feels a little bit safer to talk to your uncle about his friend or talk to your uncle's friend or whatever that may be. And, and then when you, when you kind of are ready to move a little bit beyond that, then start looking at networking events, right? There's so many events in your area. You know, as long as you're in a, an area that's not completely isolated, you can go to meetup.com and you can find lots of events with small businesses. And uh, that's a that's a great place to start to just to meet to meet people and to gather information because you can begin having those conversations. And what will happen, and it's really important to, to not be attached to outcomes particularly in the beginning, but you can begin to have conversations with people about, hey, this is what I do. This is how I help businesses. And if that person, because remember, let me put myself in the position of this small business owner, right? I have this small medical practice and I just need this little application made or something like that. When I go out, the thought of hiring a technical person to, to do this for me is extremely overwhelming. Now, not for me personally, but if I was this person, extremely overwhelming. I don't even know what to look for. I don't know what skill sets I need. I don't know anything about how to hire this person. I mean, I am as overwhelmed at the idea of hiring someone as I am at the idea of actually doing coding myself, right? (laughs) I mean, it is extreme. You cannot underestimate how overwhelming it is for a small business owner to hire a technical person. So if you can be someone that that person knows and trusts and is able to talk to in in simple terms, you know, I've got this thing, I need it, I need the customers to be able to go online from their house and put this in and then I need this to happen. And they may not even understand it at that level, right? They may have more of a problem like I don't know. People just keep like our phones are ringing off the hook because uh, people keep canceling appointments. Well, what if they could, you know, and then it's your job to say, well, what if they could do that online? What if there was a way they could just log onto their computer and do that? You know, and, and that's the kind of conversation that you need to be happening, having. And when you can develop that relationship, wow, you're going to be indispensable to that person. Well, that's great because, I, I'm, you know, I love hearing that kind of stuff because that's, you know, most of the projects that come to to us as 
freelancers and consultants are usually the client has already determined that they have this phone off the hook problem, right? Mm-hmm. And they're like, maybe soft, maybe custom software can solve that. And then they re- then they look out, they try to look for people like us. But yeah. if you can come earlier in that in that process, and you can work through that problem with somebody and help them put two and two together and come up with, well, you know, they might not know that 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 is a problem that they have and that that it can be solved. Like a lot of people, for instance, I love to tell people that a lot of a lot of businesses live and breathe. Excel, like Excel runs a big part of their business and they don't know that there's better ways than uh, emailing spreadsheets back and forth across the office and trying to figure out like who has the most authoritative copy of this file. The thing I love about just chatting with people and listening to people and asking them about what, you know, tell me about the, the problems you have in your business when it comes to technology and just kind of using that as a way to get a conversation going and if it if the stars align and, and you figure out they have a problem that I can actually solve, you know, come come through via that way instead of just waiting for people to make that determination themselves. Absolutely, and and you're just I mean you can just be their hero so easily. Yeah, and they're not going to those aren't like you do that for somebody they're not going to be issuing you an RFP or price shopping for that that project right like they're oh, going to want to work with you. Yeah. No, you're their guy. Right, exactly. So okay. that, that's exactly what, what people want to do. And, and another thing I'd add to is it's not exactly sexy, but it's practical. And that is a lot of times we're pretty valuable for our employers. And, you know, oftentimes your first client could be your former boss. It's not sexy. It's not what, you know, it's not like, you know, it's kind of demoralizing in a way. But but let's face it, when cash flow is important, I mean, you know, the company you worked at, you knew they're in, you know, the, you know, the business, you know what they do and the the transition cost, you know, finding a replacement, training them, getting them up to your level can take a while. Right. So you can come in and you can say, look, you know, um, you can tell your boss when you're quitting. This is what I'm planning on doing. If you would like, you know, I, I'd be more than happy, though, to temporarily bring you on board as a client. Um, that way you don't need to stress out about, you know, basically, you know, it's stressful. If, a, if you're integral into the business and you quit in two weeks, that's probably not enough lead time for them to properly replace you. Right. So that that's another option, too, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then you've got you've got an instant uh, item on your resume. Exactly. Well, right. I shouldn't say resume. I mean, it's a client list. You've got a, you've got your first yeah. item in your portfolio, yeah. right? Like your first client yeah. there. Yeah. Any other kind of suggestions or or tidbits you'd want to add? I think the most important thing to remember is how little the potential employer cares about what you actually do and how much they care about actually getting their problems solved. And uh, having worked with a lot of really smart and talented technical people in a lot of small businesses, that is the gap. And that's the gap. And if you can close that gap and you can talk to them in a way that they understand and that they're comfortable with and that can make them trust you, you are just going to be indispensable and you're going to be hugely successful. Yep. Speak their language. Yeah. Cool. Well, Jeff, I just want to thank you again for coming on. Really, really enjoyed this chat. Where can people find out more about you and and keep in touch? Yeah, you can go to howtoquitworking.com and you'll find all uh, all kinds of information about my podcast where we talk to people all the time, a couple times a week, who have quit their job and done something independently. A lot of folks that have done exactly what you're talking about. Awesome. Well, Jeff, I just want to thank you again and I will talk to you soon. Absolutely. Absolutely.
I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jeff. If you want to see all the show notes along with the links to his website and, and everything else, you're going to want to go to doubleyourfreelancing.com slash freelance while working. That's freelance while working. And you'll be able to leave a comment too. And, and Jeff will be able to reach out and, and see your comment. If you like the show, if you like what you hear, if you like the interviews you're getting, I would please ask you to leave a review. Reviews get us exposure. It helps put these interviews in front of more people who are freelancing and would like to hear content like this. Uh, you can do that by going to doubleyourfreelancing.com slash podcast, or you can just go to iTunes, type in uh, Business of Freelancing or Brennan Dunn and search and you'll find the podcast and you'll want to subscribe there if you're not yet. And also, again, I would love a, a review. It really helps not only motivate me, but also gives us the kind of exposure we need to keep the show successful. So we'll be back again next time for another exciting interview or really another exciting episode rather of the Business of Freelancing podcast. <music>